the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in James, and it's really, as I've said before, a rather appropriate time to be in James. You know, the letter of James, what James is dealing with, is not too unlike what Paul dealt with over and over again. And that is hearts that have become estranged to to him, to God. People who in the prosperity of times, had become more and more distant in their relationship with the Lord. And were now thrown into circumstances that required faith, but they were weak of faith. And they were desiring to be strengthened. They were desiring to be lifted from that place of despair to a place of hope. And James, or the Spirit of God, sees the, the condition of these people. And he comes in through James and writes this letter to them. And he's going to tell them, he's going to tell them, there's some things that you could do that would lift you out of despair that would bring you into the truth of Christ's victory, that will cause you to walk above all of the stuff that's going around you, would cause you to know joy. Because obviously the question would be, how could I know joy in all of this? Some of us could say the same. James begins his letter by calling Christians to endure with joy the trials, tribulations, and temptations they were facing knowing that these things will prove their faith and bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. See how James, or the Spirit of God, is speaking directly to their need. See how personal the Word of God is to them. Recognize that the Word of God comes to you and meets you right where your soul is deliberating with truth. Faith brings forth or produces endurance and steadfastness and patience. Because it is faith that invites the Spirit of God to balance the soul. It is faith that allows us to look away from the visible or temporal and behold the spiritual or eternal. When the world and the enemy are seeking to take life from us, by faith we see clearly where our life is held, forever beyond the reach of the enemies of truth. 
This will fill our souls with confidence, holy confidence to endure. You will not endure. You will not have confidence listening to the news. You will have confidence in the word of God. You will have confidence seeking him, knowing him, communing with him. It's in those things that confidence is built. It's in those things that joy is experienced. This joy is not in the circumstances of their day. This joy is in the presence of God. That's why he invites them to endure with joy. What's he saying? Endure in the very presence of God. Endure in the, in the nurture of the Spirit of God. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We are called to live this life by faith. And living is facing every moment in the confidence of his presence and love. Faith is not a topical ointment. It is necessary for salvation and sanctification. The child of God is the only created being that can choose how he will live on this earth. You have a choice to make. We can either choose either to live a lie and walk according to the flesh or live in truth and walk by the Spirit. Now every malady, every sin, every darkness, every temptation, everything that comes against the knowledge of God, everything that comes against the truth of God, comes to the flesh. Who you are spiritually, this is what you need to hold on to as the bedrock of your faith. Who you are spiritually is as immovable as Christ himself. Man cannot touch it, nor can man enforce its will upon it. Last week we left off with verse 18 of chapter 1. And today our text is going to be chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. Let's look again at verse 18 real quickly. Verse 18 of chapter 1 of James, it says, It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children, by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation, a prime example of what he created to be set apart for himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purpose. Last week we said he chose us before the world was formed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is, consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven, blameless in his sight, in his love. Does that give you any joy or confidence? He chose you. It was his will that you were born into his family, created to be set apart for himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purpose. You were created for divine purpose. You know, sometimes, I said this last week, sometimes we feel aimless. Sometimes we feel like our life is not amounting to much. Your life was ordained by God himself. How much more purpose can you get? Do you want to participate in the purposes of God? Do you want to participate in his design and desire for you? Then live by faith. 
Because his will is not thwarted. And he will empower you for all that he's called you to. He loved you before the beginning of time. And he calls you his own. He gave birth to you, child of God, knowing all the days of your lives, from beginning to the end of our time on the earth. He calls you his own, birthed from his word of truth. In the beginning, before time, he looked at your life like we would look down at a, at a map and he saw everything about you. There's nothing that surprises him. He's seen it all about you. He's seen stuff you hadn't even seen. He knows every detail of your life, every decision that you will make, every mistake that you will make, every failure that you'll have. He knows every time you will doubt and every time you will fear and every time you will enter into unbelief. He knows all of those things. And knowing every bit of that, he says, I want you. I want you. Well, we would get before him and say, argue and say, Lord, don't you know? He says, yes, I know. I've paid for it all. In fact, I want you so badly that I sent the most precious thing in all of heaven and eternity to me. I sent my very son for you so that I could lift from the pages of your life all that would separate you from my love. He gave birth to you, child of God. He calls you his own. He birthed you from the word of truth in order that we would be the images, that is, reflections of his word. He is the creator, sustainer of all creation who is holding all things together, including you. And he has set you apart for himself, sanctified you for eternity and made you holy for himself. He called you in order that you could be the image and the reflection of of his word concerning you. You were made in the image of God for the purposes of God. The die has been cast. There is no changing. That is who you are. So when you look at your circumstances and see trials and tribulations, when you see the failing of the body, when you see the sin and selfishness of your flesh, when you see the corruption and wickedness seemingly to prevail in this world, hold to faith. Hold to faith. Declare the truth of his love and sovereignty and allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength to endure. The joy of the Lord is your strength And your stronghold. That's in Nehemiah 8. Doesn't say might be. Doesn't say could be. Doesn't say is from time to time. Says he is your strength. He has assigned his strength to you. To guard you. To prosper you. And I don't mean materially. I mean spiritually. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Would you stand with me while I read God's word? Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful and thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that standard of behavior that he requires from us. So get rid of all uncleanliness, 
that and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God which is implanted actually rooted in your heart which is able to save your souls may God bless the reading of his word you may be seated now James is going to begin to teach these Christians the importance of disciplining their souls that is their mind will and emotion To receive and to manifest the truth of their new birth. The discipline of the soul is a subject that is largely neglected in the modern church. Because not many people have separated the truth between the new heart and the mind, will, and emotions. They are two different things. And I will recount for you, I will tell you again, that when God saved you, he didn't give you a new soul. All the baggage of the flesh life, the life that you lived apart from him, and the life that you have lived in rebellion to him since you've been saved, all of that baggage is still there. But it's not there to trip you up. It's not there to cause you difficulty. It's there so that you will know that is not who you are. Every time you went, go prowling through that baggage, you are reminded once again that that life is no longer yours. Isn't that true? So that is, that is something that is rarely discussed because many of the preachers out there will say, will talk about the heart and the soul as one. In fact, when I was growing up, I was told that I needed Jesus to save my soul. Well, that's true, but it's completely out of context. I do need Jesus to save my soul, but not just once. And that's what we're going to talk about. He saved me, and he gave me a new heart, and my salvation was in fact my birthplace, where I became a new creation, and all things about me became new. But the temporal side, the soul, is just a vessel. It's just a vessel. And it will reflect whatever you put in it. Your mind will affect your will. And your emotions will too. Right? It's just a vessel. Where we get messed up is we begin to think that the soul is who we are. I don't feel like. I feel like. I don't think. I don't want to. And all of those things can be reflections of the lies that the enemy has been whispering in our ears in first person singular. And we embrace them in the soul and we walk off feeling as though we have chosen to be something other than what God has made us. That is wrong. You cannot change who you are. I can act like a monkey. I can climb a tree. I can eat bananas. But I won't become a monkey. I'll just be a person that is a bit deranged. You see, the soul, the soul and the body are the targets of the enemy. That's why propaganda works. That's why manipulation works. As long as you believe the soul is you, the enemy can move you. As long as you believe the body is you, the enemy can move you. Every temptation that comes to man comes through the body and the soul. 
We only have one place to stand where we are free from temptation and we can know that our heart is for him and it is unmoved. And that is according to our new heart, our spirit, which is in union with the spirit of God. We have become one spirit. It is the spirit of God that animates us. Why am I telling you this? You know this. Well, you forget it, don't you? I know I do. And it's going to be important to our text. He's writing to them so that he can show them the importance of disciplining their souls. Verse 19 is actually a continuation of the thought from verse 18. And he's writing that based on your understanding of who you are in Christ. That he has called you. He has created you for his purposes. It is time to discipline your soul. So you would see in the light of verse 18 all that he just said of you. It's time for you to discipline your soul to walk in the truth of it. Everything that I just said about you, it's time to discipline your soul to walk in the truth of it. To reject the lying thoughts. To reject all of the self-condemnation or the judgment of others or the woe is me or the despair over the world or the, the fear of the future or any of those things. They are coming against your soul and they do not have any influence on who you are. It's time to discipline our souls and receive the word of truth as salvation for your souls. Now that comes directly out of this text. Now James begins by addressing outward behavior and he's going to talk to the hearers first. And we're going to cut it off there and next week we're going to talk to the doers. Okay? Behavior is a clear picture of the condition of the soul. So as a man thinketh, right? And you see people acting out and what you're seeing really is just a small picture of what's going on within them. And that's why we can look at their behavior and we don't have to name them with their behavior. We don't have to say that person is according to their behavior. We can know that there are only two identities that a man carries. The human being carries. That is the identity of a man who is separate from God, who does not know God, who lives apart from God. He is manipulated and controlled and a slave of sin. And then there is the man who is born again of God and he is born of the spirit and he is righteous and holy and pure in the sight of God. Those are the two identities. There are no other identities to hold. Now we have a lot of groups. I'm a saved motorcyclist. Well, hoop-de-doo on the motorcyclist. Being saved is the point. You are a new creation in Christ who happens to ride a motorcycle. That's your choice, right? We don't have an affinity with the flesh. That is not where ministry takes place. I know I'm speaking at something that is contrary to what you may see out there. But hear me. Ministry comes by the Spirit of God to awaken you and I to the truth of our identity in Him. To draw us out of our affinities to, in the flesh to the truth of our relationship with the Spirit of God. So he begins by addressing that behavior. Now, the context of the admonition in verse 19 is very important because some of the early churches 
held a more interactive service. In other words, people would get up and talk. They would give their opinions. They would stand up and say stuff in the middle of the service, right? And while it afforded a platform for discussion, it more readily gave way to opinions and arguments, and in some instances, a showcase for the carnal. And we see that in Corinthians. When we studied Corinthians, that's a classic demonstration of that. It also gave a platform to false teachers who would distort the teaching of the word and question the truth and gather people around themselves. Now we see Paul fighting that through all of his epistles. He's addressing that. And one of the reasons that that was so prevalent and why it prospered is because of this interactive format that they had within the churches. Even Paul himself, when he spoke in Corinth, was called down. So you can see how this wasn't very effective. Now, in the context of verse 19, they apparently had some people in this group who were quick to speak and slow to listen. I know we don't have any in here. So James gives this command, right? It is so also apparent that some were getting angry in this free flow of ideas. Anger is the Greek word orge, and it, it speaks of a deep smoldering resentment that becomes hate. And it's not somebody jumping up and saying, no, 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 that's not really, although that probably happened. It's people sitting there in their seats just getting madder and madder and angrier and angrier and then speaking against them. And what do we have? We have we have dissension within the body. That's more dangerous than the explosion. And he's encouraging them to rid themselves of this prideful tendency of being quick to speak and slow to listen and not to cultivate anger. That's verse 19. Let's read it. Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone... Be quick to hear, be careful, thoughtful listeners, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. Now, he's calling believers to come and listen quietly and humbly to the teaching of the Word of God. Now, this verse has been often taken out of context to bring a very man-centered message about being a good listener and being good and patient listener to those around you. And, well, that's good and that's true, but that is not the context or the original language, what the original language is pointing to. That's not what's going on there. This is about receiving the word of truth. That is the context. Receiving the word of truth, okay? And he's writing to believers, and he addresses them as beloved. That's how you know they're believers, right? And he tells them in the imperative, which is a command, to be quick to hear. Hear what? The word. Now, that implies an urgent need. It's imperative, and it implies an urgent need to hear, an eagerness to hear, silencing every distraction to hear what? The word of truth. That's what he's talking about. Now, I'm a little hard of hearing, so if I'm in a room and there's a lot going on and somebody's trying to talk to me, I might stop and say, hey, hey, just a second, keep it down, I can't hear. Or I'll draw close, so you'll see me do this. Why? Because I want to hear you. 
I don't want to be distracted. I'm not interested in having an overview of all the conversations in the room. I want to hear what you are speaking to me. And this is what he is addressing. He's saying, don't be quick to speak. Don't be jumping up in the middle of service to add your opinion. Be quiet and listen to the word of God. Now, that's not about listening to people. It's about listening to the word of God. Okay? Be eager to hear the word of God. That is the logos. That word is the logos. And the word, that is the spoken word, the logos, if you will, okay? In the early church, the written word was extremely rare, and people would gather to hear it. And there were no microphones, so it was necessary to maintain order. Now, those were the circumstances they were dealing with on the surface. But the greater point that's being made is the need to receive the word of truth, to seek every opportunity to receive the word. The child of God should have an appetite for the word. Now, we teach that we receive the word through the spirit and that God is known through a moment by moment communion. You've heard me talk about that, right? However... That is not so that we can disregard the scripture. He gave us scripture, and that is a vital part of that communion. It's a vital part of our interaction with God. So is prayer, okay? So we don't pick and choose what, well, I don't like to read, so I'm not going to do the word. You don't do that. Because it's not about what you like. It's about how God chooses to communicate to you. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.